Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Tuesday. We're doing the show on a Tuesday night. It is January 24th, 2017. Welcome to the show, everybody. We've got a good one for you tonight. Our special guest is uh, somebody new uh, who's being sent to us from somebody new. And uh, her name is Dr. Ilan Gollum. And she's got a book called Unloved Again, Breaking Your Serial Addiction. And it's really about um, some of the patterns you run into as a kid and how it affects your dating life and how we, uh, you know, run into the same problems over and over again. Uh, One of the terms that's used is repetition compulsion. And there's a lot about narcissistic behavior of parents. And I think, uh, I know for myself, I'm a, I'm a dad of a three-year-old boy and, um, doing my best to do the right thing with him, but I'm sure I'll learn from uh, Dr. Gollum about some of the things and from the book, some of the things I've been doing wrong. I checked through the book already and noticed a few things I could work on, Uh, but it should be a great show. So uh, we'll bring the doctor out in a few moments. Let's uh, get into the show and just discuss very quickly what's going on in the guys, guys world, uh, why we're here, what we do, And uh, we'll do our Guys, Guys Guide this evening uh, because our weekly blog is uh, going to be posted, I believe, either tomorrow or Thursday about uh, this week's topic, which is how to detoxify your life. The Guys, Guys Guide, too. So anyhow, you know that uh, the Guys, Guys Radio came out of uh, my novel, The Guys, Guys Guide to Love, which is about two men competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's been called by... 20th century iconic author Dan Wakefield, the man's successor to Sex in the City. And uh, it tells the ladies kind of how men roll and guys can relate to it because they say, hey, that's us. So I'm very proud of the book and we've got spectacular reviews on Amazon and you can pick up the book, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love on Amazon, any of the e-tailers, it's in some bookstores also, and uh, you can get the e-book or you can get the physical book. My website is robertmanny.com. I've been uh, blogging there and my blog is syndicated, but I've been doing the blog for about four years now. So we've got over 250 blog posts. We do big chunks, about a thousand words. We take on one topic per week. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Robert Manny author. You can just hit me up, Robert Manny, Twitter at Robert Manny, YouTube, Robert Manny author, and every podcast of guys, guys radio. We're up to like 205, 206. We're on uh, blog talk radio where I'm a featured host. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on tune in radio, and we will soon to be on Google play. Uh, you can also catch, if you subscribe to me on uh, Facebook, Robert Manny Author, I do a daily meme now, 2017, I just began, and uh, just one a day, a little, a little treat, and uh, try to keep it topical and fun, and also with a little bit of an insight in it. So that's what we're all about. It's when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. That's the guy's guy's credo, better men, better world. Me, who am I? Well, I'm a regular guy on a spiritual quest, leading a regular life. I've had a lot of experiences in the business world, marketing and advertising, wor- worked on some of the world's most famous brands, traveled worldwide. I'm also a advanced clinical master hypnotist, a Reiki master teacher, a graduate of the Jose Silva Mind course, and 
somebody who managed to stay single in Manhattan for 20 years before I got married a few years ago. And my, my wife reached out to me. She had a free three-day pass on Match.com, and she winked at me, and the rest is history. And here we are, and we have a three-year-old son. So that's my story. Let's talk about very quickly what's going on. We'll do the guy's guy's guide, and then we'll bring out our special guest. So I guess what's in the news today is uh, the biggest thing is, you know, Donald Trump's president now, and he's, he's taking action. Uh, I guess the question for a lot of people is, 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 is this good action? Uh, uh, so, you know, it's really, you go on Facebook, any type of social media, uh, the news feeds, and it just, if, if you did not vote for him, which is the majority of people who voted did not vote for him. And there's 50% of the people, uh, voters and voting age people in the U S who didn't even vote. People are getting like sick to their stomach every day, seeing some of the things uh, that he's up to, whether it's kind of squelching uh, any type of uh, point of view in the EPA, taking things down off of the white house website, taking down any Spanish translation, uh, and the latest thing is signing to help push the uh, Dakota, the pipeline, the pipeline through which people had done such a great job of protesting to protect their water, to protect our water. Obama finally got on board before he uh, left office. And sure enough, after all of that, Trump comes in and he signs it away. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have said, give him a chance. He's not even president yet. He just started. But so far, his behavior has not changed. It seems to me, and I'll ask Dr. Gollum about this, because I'm not a doctor and I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a psychiatrist, but it seems to me that he has some type of personality disorder because he has a problem with the truth, it seems like, whether it's how many people voted for him, some conspiracy theories, um, vindictiveness, and regardless of his policies, uh, you may agree or disagree, he's a kind of a scary guy because he really seems to go after people who disagree with him. And the, the fear is of that he turns into somebody who's tyrannical and starts repressing the press and repressing opposition and suppressing voting is, is, is quickly becoming something that we all have to be aware of. You might like his policies, but in terms of the methodology, not good for America. So one of the things uh, that happens, though, is, you know, every time there's a dark cloud, uh, people seem to wake up. And, you know, with all of this that's happened with our new president, um, people are taken to the streets. All the ladies who went out over the weekend, amazing, leading the way, just an amazing turnout. And I think there'll be more to come. Everybody's going to be watching our politicians from both sides of the aisle. I mean, you can't point at all of the Republicans. Look at the Democrats, Cory Booker and uh, Menendez in New Jersey. They didn't even sign on to the bill that would allow us to purchase, us consumers to purchase our meds from Canada, which would significantly reduce the cost. And then when you look at their record, it's found that they've taken major, major, major donations from the pharma companies in Jersey. And it's just sad. But it's all being exposed now. My biggest thing is all of this was avoidable. We have a right as Americans to vote. And most of the people didn't vote. 
And now we've got Donald Trump and everybody's complaining and going through all this effort and everybody's got a stomach ache who didn't vote for him. And the people who did vote for him are digging in their heels and saying, you know, give him a chance. But it was all avoidable. If people got out there and voted, this would never have happened. But it did. So uh, let's learn a lesson. Voting is important. You may not think it is. You may take it for granted, but voting is important. Okay, let's quickly move on to the guys, guys, guys. This week, based on everything that's happened, I wrote about uh, detoxing your life. So when you look at your life, I'm not, again, I'm not a medical doctor. I've gone through some health scares on my own quite a lot, and I've interviewed a lot of folks on my podcast, a lot of relationship people, but also a lot of uh, metaphysical healers, a lot of doctors, quantum physicists, etc. cetera. And uh, I had a scare, a health scare two years ago where I ended up having to get robotic surgery on each kidney to have something removed. Uh, fortunately, everything's fine. But you know what? The thing is with Western medicine, you know, they don't tell you, there's nothing preventative about it. And they don't tell you how you got things. I was told, well, it's sporadic. Well, nothing sporadic in my opinion. It's causal. Something happens and there's an effect, cause and effect. So I went to an Ayurvedic doctor uh, and uh, they took a droplet of my blood and they did some brainwave studies of me and uh, I'm going in for some treatments there and I'll be reporting on it on Guys Guys Radio. Uh, And to me, it gives me, if nothing else, peace of mind, but I like what I've heard. I like what I read. I like what the treatment is all about and uh, I'm going to do it. Uh, especially because uh, my wife is younger than me and I have a three-year-old son and I want to be there for them. And I can't take the chance, even though everything's okay, to just sit back. And so what, what if something happens, then they react. And as great as Western medicine can be in terms of uh, technology, you know, robotic surgery, things like that, absolutely amazing. But in terms of prevention, not so great. And you know what the, the ironic thing is? my treatment that I'm going to go through, it's not covered by insurance and it's preventative. Yet when things happen, that's covered by insurance. And you think we've got this whole thing upside down. Insurance should cover preventative measures. And in the long run, that'll save us money. It's like when you look at education, people talk about cutting education or privatizing it. You know what? Education is the best investment a society can make. Because if you don't pay for it, first of all, it's the right thing to do. Everybody deserves an education and the right to an education. Secondly, if you don't educate people, you're going to have a problem long term because you're going to run into huge costs for entitlements and incarcerations. Our society really needs to look at things differently. And maybe this whole thing with having somebody scary like Trump get in there is like, it's a wake-up call to everybody to look at things differently. So hopefully that's it. So very quickly for my guys, guys, guide, I just suggest a few things. If you break out toxicity, you know, we're bombarded with environmental pollutants, GMOs, processed foods, too much salt, too much meat, too much fried food, fried foods, too much alcohol, too much tobacco, and as well as consumption of media. Consumption of social media, fear, stress, this stuff collectively makes everybody sick. And I think illness, chronic illness and autoimmune disease 
and psychological problems are going to explode with this current administration in place because people are wringing their hands on a daily basis as to what is this guy going to do next? So I have a few suggestions. Um, In terms of your body, I suggest just looking at your diet. Avoid sugar. You can do all the research on it that you want. I just point out, here's the things to consider. Avoid sugar. It's hidden in everything. goes by different names. It's a killer. If you're going to have salt, Himalayan sea salt. If you don't have to eat meat, there's no need to eat meat. You can get protein in lots of different ways. I quit meat eight years ago. I haven't missed it at all. Um, Fried food, not good. Processed food, not good. Dairy, not good. And so many things with GMOs. And people talk about GMO labeling. We need GMO labeling. Yes, we do. But if we can't get that, there's a very simple solution. If the package doesn't scream non-GMOs, then it's got GMOs in it. (laughs) Also, go easy on the alcohol. Hydrate. We don't hydrate enough. Get more sleep. We're a sleep-deprived culture. Everybody goes to bed with their handheld device and their phone next to them. It's crazy. So, and you got to, you got to, if you are what you eat, you got to be careful in what you consume. That also includes what you consume from a media standpoint. And that's what I say that part two is kind of the mind. Garbage in, garbage out. You look at media, social media, films, video games, porn, all that stuff. TV shows. If you walk, I live in New York City. You walk down into the subway and you look at the ads for the latest shows, for the latest movies. Most of them are morbid, morose, creepy, violent, dark, and bloody. Or dysfunctional comedies about dysfunctional, broken people. And you know what? Fun stuff. There's not that much fun stuff going on. People uh, love all this dark stuff. And uh, whether it's vampires or Breaking Bad or Walking Dead or all the shows about terrorism and this and that, it's just it's just amazing. And but it's not good. You have to like pull out of that. You can't get sucked into just consuming that stuff and video games and porn all the time. You got to be careful with that. Whether you're a man or a woman, or whatever. And that also impacts us spiritually. But there's some things you can do spiritually too. For your mind, just be careful of the media you consume. Don't have that TV on all day. Don't stare at the computer all day. Go outside at lunchtime. Don't eat at your desk if you can, if you can help it. And spiritually, if you can, find time to meditate every day, even if it's for a few minutes. And if you can't find the time, if you don't think you have the time, that means you have the time. That means you have to find the time, rather. So find that time. Affirmations. Choose. Don't want. Choose what you're looking for. Don't want. Wake up with an affirmation. Go to sleep with an affirmation. That affirmation you do when you go to sleep will sink in subconsciously and work with you in your dreams during the night. It's helped me. I've done all this stuff. It's helped me tremendously. Live your life. Live in the present moment. And be aware that we're being inundated with fear. So that's our Guys, Guys, Guy of the Week. You can read the whole blog post. It should go up tomorrow on robertmanny.com. So let's get to our special guest, Dr. Ilan Gollum. And she's written this book called Unloved Again. And uh, 
It's called Breaking Your Serial Addiction, and she's also the author of Trapped in the Mirror, Adult Children of Narcissistic Parents in Their Struggle for Self. She resides in New York City. Um, she has a doctorate in clinical psychology and a certificate in psychoanalyst and psychotherapy from NYU. She's been in private practice for like at least, looks like 40 years. And uh, I'm sure she's a lot smarter than me. So let's get her on here and uh, see if she can help us out. Good Hi, evening, Robert. Dr. Gollum. How are you? Hi. You know, I'm sitting here going, yes, 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 to everything you've said. You couldn't hear me. I'm going, yeah, right. <laughs> and then really, I said, oh, really, I'm on the same wavelength. Amazing. So um, I just, I don't want to get, you know, <laughs> drawn into discussing narcissism, but you know our, our president is a narcissistic character disorder, and that's why he <laughs> takes everything personally. Every single thing he holds grudges. He can never get out of how it affects me or how it makes me look, which is making his judgment very poor, very impulsive, very uh, and very changeable, very changeable. He's not a man with a plan. But, you know, you had asked me, do your parents affect who your day, just getting back to that initial thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted, oh, I also wanted to say to you that I think it's really nice that you're looking at, you know, how you could improve your relationship with your child. Mm-hmm. But yeah, perfection absolutely. is never achieved. It's it's not a problem that make mistakes, make you know, seeing what you could do better is is wonderful because the child learns that it's okay to make a mistake, that it's not the end of the world, that my father can be uh, sorry about something. You can even say to the kid, I made a mistake. You know, in other words, it makes the the whole uh, growing up thing less frightening. Like, oh, I have to be perfect. You know, perfect is a very horrible thing to hang over anyone's head especially a child. So, I mean, Uh, it's one thing for the parents who are, like, so guilt-ridden that they constantly apologize and make things up. That's not good because they change the child then into the one who's controlling them, you know, because the parent is guilt-ridden. No, absolutely. Oh, yeah, but just another thing to say, you know, that was a mistake, you know. I won't do that again. Or if a child gets upset about you, try to explain it, you know. It's just creating an open... um, conversation with a child at whatever level they're able to speak. I mean, you know, very young and very few words, but, but still and all, just creating an, om- an open ambience with, be- before the child. And what I was trying to say in my book, Unloved Again, and also in, in, in Trapped in the Mirror, is that we may grow up intellectually, right? We may become Dr. Lawyer Indian Chief and be able to do all kinds of stuff, we may grow up sexually, you know, be able to do whatever, you know, turns us on, but we may not grow up emotionally because mm-hmm. emotional growing up requires supportive, loving parents. So people whose home was full of strife, in which the child was always reprimanded, in which the child was neglected, in which the child was uh, given too much to do or too little, and all these things that were going on all the time, that is not an atmosphere for having emotional growth. So what happens when you have that kind of a home is that you don't you are a child emotionally all your life. You don't even know it because that's the reality you know. When I say you're a child, I mean you're living in your childhood space and you either identify with a child as a helpless, you know, deprived, needy, frightened person or with the parent as a tyrant, you know, always attacking and criticizing, rejecting. And then when you you are that person, you don't know that you are living in your childhood space. You That's the reality you live. 
so when you start dating, if you're doing the child, the, the weak, helpless, greedy, greedy uh, you know, helpless, empty, needy child, you will find a partner who will treat you badly. You know, you will find a parent mm-hmm. type. And if you if you identify with the parent, the tyrant, who has to put down and control, you will find a person who's locked in the in the child, uh, you know, a persona, and you will get together and you will keep knocking that person down. And both of you live in that emotional world. That is the world you know. And if you break up because you get hate, you hate each other too much. Finally. And so you say, that's enough of that. And who do you find next? The same. Yeah, that's Because true. that's the world you live in. So how do you know this? How do you know you have to get out of it? Because the world we live in is always, we seem, that's, that's the world we think it is. We think that's the world. So, you know, one of the things that is just a beginning step is to know that you're suffering. And if, or to know that you're causing suffering. And start to ask yourself, what? Why am I living this way? Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to develop an an adult self. It's not like the child and the eternal parent and child go away. They they don't go away, but you have to separate from them. You have to reach a point where you can say, oh, that's the past. That's the reliving of my terrifying childhood that's the reliving of what it was to be that kind of parent i don't want to live that way anymore it's like going into the world of emptiness you don't know who you are or what you are let me ask you a question um go right ahead when how do you uh when you're talking about you know childhood mm-hmm. when in your opinion do things start to uh resonate with uh with children like is it at one two three in, yeah, in the womb Okay. In the womb. When a kid comes out, first of all, you know they know their parent's voice, right? They they mm-hmm. know right away who's the parent. If the yeah. parent is very happy, kind of happy and supportive, mm-hmm. uh, the child, you know, they, they come into, oh, the world is a very fine place. But the very, very earliest developmental stage, you know, Quinta Erickson's very earliest, is the most important, believe it or not, because if the parents are there, I mean, reasonably there. We're not talking wait, waiting on them hand and foot. We're just saying a reasonable, you know, child is hungry, they're fed, they're picked up a lot, the parents love to have them around. There's a lot of laughter, even mm-hmm. singing. I don't know if you're into that, but at one point... Oh, we do I, that. We do group hugs, we sing, yeah, we have fun. Yeah, because I, I, once, I did a, a, a search on... Um, I went to the Amazon to look at parenting, believe it or not, and mm-hmm. uh, I went to Sorry. the library to look at um, rainforest families. And all these families sang. It was like, and they sang beautifully, by the way. I thought, well, that's really interesting. They're very they're close together. Like the hunter-gatherer tribes, you know, people who don't settle anywhere but move around. Now they were taking away the land. They can't go anywhere. They are considered to have the, the, the healthiest environment for a child. They're mm-hmm. always together. They're always together. Well, I've so, got to tell you, uh, in New York City, um you know, I put my we put my son in a uh, he was in daycare, and we, this year we've been pre K three. We put him in a parochial school, and the the pre K program, the three program, was I think in the second year or whatever. It had a new teacher, and you know, I found that when my wife and I both found that it was like the the attitude was one size fits all. Uh uh-uh, uh 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 uh. 
uh-huh. and I don't think I don't think that's the, when kids are three. No. They're all on different a sliding scale of development, and I would notice. I started picking up my son, and I could see this anxiety oh, or yeah. this disheartening uh, oh. sense coming from him. And we actually pulled him out, and we put him in a Montessori type of language yeah. school on the west yeah. side. That right. and uh, he just does his own thing, and he's learning now. The thing that's amazing—I know he's a little, a couple of months older—but mm-hmm. everything seems to be flowing more in terms yeah. of his grasping things because he he doesn't have that anxiety and i notice when i also uh and i'm getting to a question here but i notice also when i take him to the playground and stuff mm-hmm. that i see mm-hmm. some of the kids you know are very adjust, well adjusted and other kids mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. stress and anxiety and they're little kids what yeah, is, 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 is this everything. new york they're already is worried this, about everything That's is this true. coming from the parents i guess yes and school because i have to say one thing about american education i don't approve of it like the, I'm trying to think of the name of the school. I'm losing it. There's a, a school in England, which um, the kids are sent there because they don't they don't like the American school. You know, they have too many kids, and everyone mm-hmm. has it's it's aimed towards the middle. Again, you have this kind of uh, if you're in any way like maybe smarter or less smart, or you're more you like the thing with do with the hands, or you rather this or that. They don't have that. You have to fit in. It's really unhealthy. Like there's a school in England, I forgot the name of it, where the kids sign up for a, an individually for a little course that they mm-hmm. want. And if they have a point where they don't want to take a course, you don't have to. So one will learn bicycle repair and the other will learn, you know, the, the life of, 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 uh, of prehistoric monsters. or whatever. You know, what? they go into uh-huh. whatever, they find a teacher and they do the course and they finish the course. So I said, gee, I wonder how these kids do when they have to go on to college, right? It goes right through high school, this class. Do you know they do just as well, if not better, than anybody else? Why? Because they are individuals, mm-hmm. and they have they run the school. They have a you know like one one man one vote, one kid one vote. I don't think the faculty has any more votes than the kids, and everyone learns to, you know democracy and how to get along and and taking care of things and like that. It's like our school system is way too um, what do you call it structured. Yeah, especially I mean, I, at the early, really, the younger ages. I mean, real. I, I understand, you know, when kids are eight or whatever. There, there has to be some type of uh, falling in line a little bit. But when they're little, really young, a little. But you know, really like young, learning like to read, three, learning four, to read. Five. I mean, you got to let them freelance. No, I, I don't even point. think. I think kids want to learn. Like when I did my Amazon film. Of course, the kids are they they're always following everybody around, and they do everything that everyone does. We don't have the the parents go off they don't have the parents go off somewhere and the kids go off somewhere, you know, which is our society. That's why the um the hunter gatherers are considered the healthiest kids because they don't separate, and the kids always mo- they always model themselves after the adults. they learn all the skills. There's no like bad kid, they don't have it. they don't even have a bad kid, nothing like that it doesn't happen. So what 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 are parents uh, you know today's parents how are they different than you know our parents and what are what are parents today doing wrong? Well, I don't not think to, not that it's they're so all different. Doing wrong, I don't think it's so different because if the parents were loving and caring, and their parents were loving and caring, and their mm-hmm. parents were loving and caring, it's true they had to learn certain societal skills, but the the love. The love nest is ongoing. It does not end. The problem is when the parents were not supportive and not loving, and the child begins to know this, they have to develop in themselves. What does it mean? 
What does it mean to be caring? What does it mean to set limits? How do you do it? How far should you let someone go? Do you tolerate abuse or not? How do you say no? How do you say yes? Because I think that if you can't say no, you can't say yes. A lot of people go along with, you know, that's again, the pacifiers, Mm -hmm. you know, they go along with anything because they don't know how to say no and they're afraid. If you're afraid, you'll be rejected. If you don't go along with something, you don't really have a yes. You don't have a yes. So, I mean, I think the school system could be greatly improved. It's, you know, it's, go, it's going downhill. Like, you know, you can't get tenure anymore. They, they are underpaying, you know, teachers. They're getting these, what are these alternative schools called? They're underpaid. They're not well-educated. And um, they know less. I mean, you, you know, you can't teach what you don't know. This so is I'm all for, you know, highly educated, interesting people teaching kids who want to learn what they want to know, right? And some kids will go one way and some will go the other. But that's what I like about the school in England. They, they go where they go, and they end up top of the class. I had this thing. You know, I hated school, and I, I always did okay. I went to Bennington College. Have you heard of it? I have not. Right. Well, it sounds familiar, but I don't, I yeah. don't know exactly what the curriculum is all about. Well, well they don't have a curriculum. They don't have, like, you've got to take this. Yeah, yeah, there you go. you got to take this, and then you got to take that. you got to have 28 of that and four of this. No, no. And they don't give, they don't give um, marks. You know, they give a write-up about your work. Was it creative, blah, 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 and you, and you write them up, too. Everybody writes everybody up. And at least a third of the class transfers out in the first year because there's no local parentis. There's no one telling you what to do and when to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I thought, wow, I'm in, I am finally in heaven. I'm finally, I have arrived in heaven because you read something, you talk about it, they're interested in your point of view. And then when I went to graduate school, I was a little shaky, you know. Oh, my God, this is graduate school, right? Easy is peasy, Right. I hear you. I went to uh, undergrad Villanova, and I was an English major, and, uh, you know, they made me take astronomy and things like that. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And <laughs> afterwards, I said, you know what? I I went to grad school, and I got a marketing uh, degree, uh-huh. uh, MBA, because uh, I'm like, I, I, you know, this is – I didn't learn what I really needed to learn undergrad, exactly. except from the college exactly. experience was great. But this classroom learning was a, kind of a joke. Um, I learned more in high school than in college, but then I took, you know, my MBA and, uh, had a successful, have done great in business, but, um, because it's all, it's just, it just seems like every step of the way in terms of education was somewhat dysfunctional. Uh, Yes. Yes. I fully agree. Yes. Totally. Terrible. It's like, Mm -hmm. huh? Every, it's all upside down. It's, uh, yes. it's regimented. It's not being not fostering into there, into creativity, there, whatever the imagination. Thing yeah. Well, even you know, I got to tell you, from my uh, my business career, you know, I worked as a brand manager in some big organizations, big packaged goods companies, and they weren't looking for creativity. No, they were looking I know. for don't screw it up. You know, like, can I tell we'll you? Put you in this job. Terrible... Don't mess things up. Here's the don't bottom line. Don't make any changes. Deliver. Don't change yeah. anything. Don't change anything. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I did a lot of advertising too, and then uh, that that business changed completely. It's all metrically driven driven now, uh-huh. and um, uh-huh. there's no partnerships anymore in advertising. The clients basically say, "This is what I want," and you do it. And if it doesn't work, then it's your fault. And if it works, 
they take the credit. It's a very <laughs> exactly. thankless job. And a lot of them, and this is one of the reasons I really have a mm. personal problem with, uh, with Trump, is that mm. some of the clients nowadays, they know they can get away with not paying. Mm. They want free work or mm. they decide what they're going to pay you. And it's just Does taking advantage of the Louis. Trump <sighs> is in debt so much. You know, we don't know anything about him because he's you no know, emolument. He's using his office to make money. Right. But he also doesn't pay people. He cheats left and right. But you know what I think is really good? It's really interesting. It's the narcissistic character disorder having a little bit of a breakdown. I think that the um, the newspapers, which have been called uh, evil and, and, you know, mm-hmm. what call them? You know, that they don't know anything, that they're, they're completely disreputable. I forget the words. He knocks them down. And because they really, they would love to get inside, and, and really, they would sell out. They would sell out. But he's being so humiliating to the papers that I think that they are rising up. <laughs> I think now, when you like, yes. when you call mm-hmm. CNN fake news and they can't even ask a question, then uh-huh. they, you know what? But I'll, let me say this, uh, and then we'll get we'll get back to your book. The the okay. I watched you know throughout the campaign I watched CNN and I'd flip over to Fox just to see a completely mm-hmm. different take on things, but mm-hmm. CNN and particularly uh, their lead guy, the gray-haired guy, the young gray-haired guy, they uh-huh. every single thing that Donald Trump said they covered mm-hmm. and they gave him way too much latitude. Oh, they gave him they made him dollars of coverage. They gave and you Bernie know why? Sanders. Maybe Nothing. ten dollars worth. Right. You no, know why they are, they're responsible. And why do they it's, do that? Why do they do that? I'll tell you exactly why. Because I'm from the advertising, marketing, and yeah, media business. Exactly. Because it's all about eyeballs. Because the more eyeballs you get on a broadcast, yes, the more right. you can charge for your ad time, and that's what it was all about. And until basically they, I think, have woken up to the fact that they're going to get cut out now. Now they're figuring out. Uh oh. <laughs> well, we're not going to get eyeballs because we're not going to get any access. Mm. So now I think they're, you know, they're taking off the gloves. But the real heroes in this are like the women who marched, people oh, yeah. on social media who are just oh, yeah. like a Gatling gun challenging and watching everything. Yeah. But I feel so bad because I kind of have stepped back from it. Uh, what I've done is and one of the things I mentioned in my blog mm. this week is, you know, I've unfollowed certain friends, you know, guys I knew from high school, whatever, who love Trump and everything, because I can't, Mm-mm. I can't reply, respond to the Mm-mm. absurdity of what they're saying. And I and can't. Not, and not only that, maybe you don't want to get upset. You want to keep your, your thermostat down, but I right. find them very dangerous. Uh, well, it's very hard for me to just say, okay, you know, think what you help, wish. Well, help, help us out with this. What is it about some of the supporters that they refuse to consider anything that this guy does is questionable. I see them as in the child's state in which they they have to love the parent and um, they have to believe every lie no matter what. You know, once they, they've set their emotional, uh, you know, whatever, Geiger count, whatever, they're for it. They're going with it. They're, they are on to it. And, um, is that they a patriarchal are not, they, thing? Yeah, what well, this problem is that they have not realized, and this is this is really a some a major issue right now. They have not realized the value of truth. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like um, 
Well, as a lie is okay, you know, like like he talks about, he would have been a pop, he would have won the popular vote if if three million undocumented immigrants hadn't, you know, voted. They said the lies, all the lies. They don't see the value of truth, and this this society is not so good on truth. So what happens? And you're you're you know you're coming at it from a clinical standpoint. When you see somebody mm-hmm. with this type of personality, and you see what's going on behaviorally with our population on both sides of the table. Where is this heading? Because right now it's in a very heading unpleasant down place. Down to the sewer. I mean, I think that you know, <laughs> excuse me, I'm not I'm not using bad language. You know that that you know that when you begin to realize that your welfare is going into the sewer with this, that this is going to be the billionaire, millionaire, trillionaire. At which point we will no have no jobs. We'll have no factories. We'll have no unions. We'll have no education. We'll have no health care. Right. I mean, people say, well, why would anyone, what do you want, what do you need a million dollars for? What are you going to do with it? It's like an addiction. It has no end. It has no end. But people who who worship, worship, they join the group and they feel part of that group. Like they they somehow feel empowered. Yeah, Yeah, they feel like they've gotten something out of it. But what have you gotten out of it? It's really, it's, an, it's almost delusional. It's almost delusional. So that, you know, when you start looking at really what am I getting out of it, like he's going to get rid of health care or he's going to open up, you know, the Dakota Access, you know, pipeline. He's going to have, we're going to have pipeline explosions in the Missouri River so the, the drinking water for, for uh, you know, 20 million is gone. Think about it. You know, you have to, that's what I'm saying, the adult is not a child. The adult steps away a little bit and, and looks and tries to see. And they don't have to believe what they see today. They can even change it tomorrow. You know, in other words, get more information. How is it affecting your life? I mean, you know, these people who, they, they don't think they have grandchildren. They're not thinking about the air, the water, the, the polluted ocean, the, the soil being drained by, you know, the, the, you know, the explosions due to fracking, the, the, you know, everything which is going to affect their generations, too. I mean, it's not like you're out of it, yet they, they somehow, they're wearing blinders, they're in love with power and money, and that's where they see things. That's what they see. So for you, from a, a standpoint of the population, do you think there's going to be an explosion in people who need uh, psychological yes. uh, counseling and treatment I and think there's stress going to be a and major nervous breakdowns explosion. and autoimmune diseases and all kinds of stuff? Because I it think there's like... going to be all kinds of explosions. I think there's going to be anti-government explosion. I think there's going to be a health deterioration like you won't believe. You know, this is the first time, even now, you know, with all the garbage in the air, and he's getting rid of, you know, he doesn't like, they don't like the the controlling organisms in government that sometimes look at something and say we shouldn't have this chemical in the water or whatever. This is the first generation, you're, you're a kid. I know. Is, I'm going to say something really sad. It's really bad. They're not going to live as long as their parents. I'm wondering how his health is too, Trump, because you know he doesn't look to me. He doesn't look very good, and I don't think his diet is all, is that good. But you never know. Who knows what he's eating? He could be eating all organic and getting great stuff and and everything. But he he looks like he's about to explode at any any minute. I agree. I agree. I don't know. It's like so think, wound up inside. I don't see any joy coming out no, of this guy. No, no, no. He's an angry because he's you see he's overly sensitive. I mean, narcissists think of themselves as very special and like you know that everything should go their way 
And, of course, nothing ever goes all our way. How could that even be the case? What an idea. But it's so, so, they're so completely egotistical, so self-involved. And so he's always going angry and happy, and it goes back and forth. You know, oh, they love me, they love me, you know, they love me, believe me, believe me, they love me, I was great. Did you see that? What's the latest lie? How many people were at his inauguration, right? Right, right. Like, who cares? But not only that, he cares. I know. He cares because he's in a popularity contest at all times, at all times. If you date a narcissist, you will know it very soon because they will not have much interest in you. You know the narcissistic joke, you know, I spoke about me all night. Now we'll get to you. What do you think of me? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I think, uh, okay, the name of this show is Guys Guys Radio, and a lot of the stuff we talk about is about kind of trying to bridge the chasm in communication between men and women. And as a guy, I think one of the, well, I'll tell you a quick story. When I I went out with my, uh, the woman who became my wife, and I was, you know, I stayed single for a really long time, so long that I would go home on the holidays and nobody asked me when you're getting married. I was like, they just forgot <laughs> about it. But I finally did. And I, I, when it, I knew what I would happen too, because I, I had, I learned the key. I had an epiphany was like, I have to make room for somebody else. Oh. And where I'm going with this is when I met my wife, I went out about three times with her and I said, I'm having such a great time with you. What do I need to do? Cause I've had other long-term relationships and obviously I'm here. So they haven't worked out. What do I need to do to be a good boyfriend? And she said, mm. pay attention. Oh yeah. And that was it. And the light bulb went off above my head. And I'm like, I'm still working on it, uh, to let be me, frank with you. you. But so many men, understand. though. You just don't understand. It's about the problem between men and women in communication. And I don't know how this woman came at it, but it's a real old book, but it's really interesting. She said, like, a woman talking to her friends, she'll tell a story. They'll listen, and then they'll tell how they had a similar experience, right? It goes on and on and on. And out of it comes some understanding and what to do. And a woman, this is in the book, I'm saying, and in the book, the woman tells a man some problem, and he looks up from the paper, and he tells her what she should do to fix it, and goes back to the paper. Mm -hmm. So she feels he's not interested in her, and he feels, what's wrong? I'm trying to help her. There's a kind of, you know, communication is Mm -hmm. a lot listening. It's a lot of listening. That's my whole career. I spent all my time listening. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, that that dynamic goes a little bit both ways. I think men are mostly at fault here because men are very concerned with themselves and they're not as attentive to the small things mm-hmm. and sensitized to it like women are, without mm-hmm. question. Men mm-hmm. are, you know, when we're together, guys mm-hmm. are still like, here's five lone wolves, you know, <laughs> and they're, they're hanging out. But they're not talking about all the stuff that women talk about. There's not that's four right, guys right. sitting at a table drinking Cosmopolitans talking about women. We don't do that. That's not how it works. If you have a problem, you might pick out the friend that you have that you can Mm -hmm. trust with this particular issue that won't judge you, that maybe Mm -hmm. you can get them to hear you. And And why are they not doing that? Do you know why? Well, the men, the men will do it. They'll, they'll go to, they'll pick the one friend. Yeah. But are they, are they too worried about how it looks or how they sound? Yes. Yes. They don't want to be, uh, they don't want to show any Mm -hmm. weakness or vulnerability in front of the other, the other guy. So they pick one out and they'll share something and they, want to be mm. heard, they mm. want to be listened to, and they'll listen to what the other guy suggests. That mm. doesn't mean they're going to do that. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference. And then so the big difference between when men and women have a conversation then, and to your point, mm. woman talks about her day and a guy tries to solve her problems, and it's like it's a disconnect. That's what, true. What I think, though, that women sometimes do that uh, is, a, is mm-hmm. an issue is that, and I, I have it with my wife. We'll talk about an issue, and I say, this is my opinion, and she'll tell me her opinion, and then she wants to talk about it some more, and I'll express mm-hmm. my opinion in a different way, and she'll want to talk about it some more, and I'll express it in a third way, and she'll mm-hmm. want to talk about it some more. And I'm like, I, I don't know how else to say how I think and feel about this. That's it. You, we, we agree. I hear you or disagree, and, you know, let's, yeah, let's that's move the, that's forward. That's the standard clash. That's and the then a lot of women keep. I don't know what. Like, I think the. Uh, I think, and, and I'm. I'm backing up the guys here. We don't know when. What? How long do we have to have this conversation? Well, let me say what I At think. At a certain point, it's done. No, I'll tell you what I think. Please. I think that they're not looking for a solution. The women. Okay. That may be such a strange idea. <laughs> You know, you think uh, we're supposed to be, you know, I've given up on homo sapiens. I'm not saying bad to you, but I go, <laughs> no, and this is, I know, okay, I'm homo erectus as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> what can I say? Because I don't believe that we are wise. I don't believe it. Oh, now and then, now and then, kind of, you know, exceptional. But I think that, I don't, th- I think that women are not looking for a solution, and men think that they're supposed to do that. I don't know how this happened. I don't know if it's the Y chromosome, but I think that's the the sort of the the, the clash that goes on because the guy is thinking, "But I already gave the solution." They're not looking for it. <laughs> but sometimes it's not even, uh, doctor. It's not even uh, the solution. It gets to the point where it's you're, there's an issue that uh, two people are talking about something that happened, whatever, and both people express an opinion. And at a certain point, a lot of guys, myself included, we throw up our hands and say, "Like, I I don't know what else to say." I stated my opinion. I told you how I so feel you're not, about it. You're I heard not a what good you gossip. said. You're not good at gossip. Like in my family, they didn't talk. I mean, how I became a psychologist was through all the bad stuff, right? They didn't talk. They didn't share. Nobody shared anything. And when I went to college, they would start to talk. It was like they, I, they couldn't get me out of the dining room. And so when people come and tell me their problems, I just love it. It's like, oh, wow. But I don't have to, you know... You know, now and then when I think they're really crashing the ship, you know, I'll say something. But I don't think that I I have to solve anything. I think that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, the most wonderful thing, at least for me, coming from the kind of family I come from, is someone actually listens to me, right? That may sound weird. No, it's not. I know know in my family I'm like the the oddball. So (laughs) if I want to talk about issues with my parents or my brother or whatever, nobody wants to have a conversation about yeah, stuff. They don't do it. They don't do it's it. It's all, everything's avoided. Like, I, I don't want to talk about this. Why, you know, anything that's challenging, instead of talking it through, it's like, no, 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 no. So, right. I don't know. But let's, let's get, let's take it all back to your book, because we're here to talk about, this is a great book. Okay, you know, I like Trapped and, in the Mirror. My book, Trapped in the Mirror, about being the child of narcissistic parents, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I was in a state of terror that, you know, my family would read it. Guess what? They're narcissists, but, right? They didn't okay. read it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a novel, right? And I'm very proud of it. And it took me a long time. It took me two books to get published. And I got it. great reviews and everything. And I'm my mother, thank yeah. you. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. My mother yeah. won't read it because it's got sex in it. She didn't? 
Nope. She goes. She said, "No, I started reading it and I couldn't because." It's Are you a virgin birth? No. <laughs> no. No. It's just that's how my mom is. So I'm like, okay, whatever. What's her background? Uh, you know, she grew up in New Jersey, and uh, she's a very, very New Jersey. Uh, you know what? They must have had it <laughs> twice because uh, I've got a brother. Got two. Got two. So, and my dad's, you know, he's, uh, I know he's uh, just like any other guy. So, uh, but uh, I don't know. So that's just the way, you know, what are you going to do? You just, uh, that's, that's it's for so another bizarre. show. I wouldn't know what to say, you know, that a woman, you know, how does she know there was sex in it? Well, she started reading it. <laughs> oh, and then she turned she turned it over right then and there. Yep, it was yep. she was like, thought. "No, I can't. I can't deal with this." And uh, can't deal so with I, I well, let I'd it go. I'd be curious, but she's not in therapy because if she were, I'd say, "What is it you can't you deal know what? with?" No, but she well, she's the type of person, and she I love her. She's my mom, but that who has she said to me one time, "I wish I could just cry." She's so she can't uh, cry. Yeah, she she just ready to. She's like a little person inside of herself, ready. She just she can't talk to somebody. She she needs to talk to somebody. And Whoa, if she yeah. would feel like if she went to talk to somebody, then then there's a then there's something wrong with you her. Yeah, she'd be the kind of person who will cry from the minute you close the door till you know. She probably has so much to cry about. Oh yeah, yeah, and she's a, a lovely person. But uh, anyhow, that's that's yeah, a, that's for another up, show. But let's talk about the book a little bit more. Tell okay. us what. Uh, what who should read this book what what well, do you want them to get out of it and how they can put the book to use well for, whenever you know, you've been like had one miserable relationship after another or even okay. stayed in the same miserable relationship but one bad after the other after the other and you can't give it you can't say it's bad luck you know when something is always happening over and over again you know it's your cho- it's your choice but you don't know why you're doing this. This book is all about the steps you take and the obstacles in your way. All of you, they're all your own, by the way. I'm not talking about the world. I'm just saying the obstacles within yourself to moving on. And this, so it's, it's a helpful, useful book in getting, moving on through the pain, moving on through the the early torture. You have to know it, by the way. If you're going to try to cover it up you will never you will never grow you will not grow now i'm not for people who join these groups where they sit around they discuss they're going to somehow resurrect their child you know there's some kind of new kind of weird you know therapy where they're always giving no you don't want to resurrect your child your child is damaged always will be but what you need to do is understand what what stopped you from moving out of that so you can move on you can move on and then when you do move on, you know, you'll be making mistakes and you'll even be repeating things. And, and you're trying to become more aware all the time because it's really not the best life. You know, like, I'm not saying there's a perfect relationship, but on the other hand, when you finally find someone who loves, because you asked me, what is love? Love mm-hmm. is from the heart. It's not the head. You know, it's not uh, you tell yourself because I, you know, I dated all these valedictorians. That was my thing, you know. My parents said you were stupid all the time, so I had to date valedictorians. So I always dated valedictorians who would not be available for me. Like, and one day I said, you know what? I'm not happy. What am I doing? Right? You want to use your unhappiness as a as a springboard to get out of repetition. 
it's it's frightening, of course, because you came from a frightening home. But what is is it better to always do the same frightening thing than to try some new thing that may may or may not work out? It, you know, you have to develop courage to become more adult. Okay. So what can then uh, parents do then to make sure that they are providing the right environment for their kids? So uh, we have the best shot at not raising a you know, yeah. an affected kid. What, you what, what should parents them do? In, in, you support them in doing things that interest them. You don't, you know, corner them at age two with, a, with a, I've seen this, you know, where they give them a board that shows the alphabet on it. You know, right away they're pushing the kid not to live the life of fantasy. A, a child, an early child has, you know, got a lot of really interesting wild ideas. Yeah. And, 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 they, and you don't want to suppress that. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with it, Right. You remember the, the the book where the wild things are? You know yeah, that one. Yeah, we have that. I read it to my yeah, son. Yeah, of course, I would read it. But I mean, some parents go, "It's bad. It's teaching the kid bad." You know, they go the bad. Or, or what's that German book where the kids always, you know, what was this saying? The Cousin Jama kids. You know them? Yeah. You know what they're I saying? Remember the old comic strip? Uh, I don't know, but the. What was this saying? They always said it. Too soon, old. Too late, smart. <laughs> <laughs> makes perfect sense. Kids love that. You want to support their having a fantasy life. You know, like, what is the best gift for a kid? That was mine anyway. You know, not endless toys. Every day you get them a new thing. No, a, like like a um, a cardboard box to grow in and make your own little world. Right. You don't yep. have to. Spoiling is not good. Like, a kid will have a favorite animal or a favorite whatever you know, whatever they call transitional object, right? You know, like yeah, I, I was, was going to ask you about bad. that because one thing they latch on to, and, yes, and I, I noticed it with my son. Not, He's got a blanket, and it's like it's like Linus, this usual, little usual. tiny blanket, and right. uh, he loves it. And, and he's got a couple other things. And do not take it away. And do not take it away. Because, you know, what the traditional object is. You know, do, do you read that? It has to do with, yes. um, in some way, this is the mother and the father, that you ha- you always know where they are. This is this is the beginning of having faith that the one you love will not desert you. Believe it or not. And parents who take away the transitional object, or they get a better one. You know, like my parents did that. They took away my doll, my Effie, and they mm-hmm. got me a, a Tony doll. Well, they ruined my life, right? Because I couldn't believe that I could have a commitment to anything because it might not be there. Now, so, what do you do, doctor, if you if your kid has like uh, my son? He's got he's got this little elephant blanket which he brings everywhere. Then he's got five uh-huh. different miniature subway trains. He's got the A train and the C train and the B train and two New Jersey transit <laughs> trains. And even if he's going to take a bath, he's got to bring the trains in. Now he's got also a Clifford Clifford uh, stuffed toy, Clifford the big red dog. Oh, he's got he's another got, one. He's got that, and now he's got this plastic. It's a uh, cover for the keyboard to keep your fingers clean and make your keyboard easier on your computer. And he right. has one of those that he took off my keyboard because <laughs> I have two of them. And he brings that with him everywhere. So wherever they he goes. Equal, they're all equally valuable to him? I guess so because now he goes in for his bath. He's got to have all that stuff. He goes in <laughs> for a nap. He's got to have all that stuff. He goes, I mean, where does it end? <laughs> I le- we I let him. We figured, I never you know heard what? a kid having so many before. Yeah. Well, don't buy him any more stuff. This is these are his, you know, <laughs> he's got a transitional object mm-hmm. a lot of them, but they are his little world that he can count on. That's the point, that's the point of the lesson. Mm-hmm. That the child 
has a connection to these objects as representing you, believe it or not. They represent wow. you. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why fantastic. parents take it away, huh? No, it's fantastic to know that. Yeah, yes. Because I know I spoke to a woman, she's like working with addicts, and she read my book. She said, oh, they come in and right away they have a transitional object, and we take it away. I said, no, they are trying to heal the the early loss of a parent that wasn't there for them. Wow. They're trying to grow through that stage where you can actually love somebody. If you can't trust them to be there for you, you can't love. So transitional object is a very major step in, in developing the ability to love. Yep. Your kid sounds funny, though, because he's got a, such a group of things. But, you know, there uh, they are. Very, there very they are. quirky. Very quirky. And uh, uh, happy, which is the most important uh, thing. He, yes, he's, he's happy because he's got all those transitional objects. You're yeah, doing a yeah. good job. Leave them alone. Oh, thanks. So listen, uh, doctor. <laughs> yeah, we're we're wrapping up, and I want to have some time to to let you talk about when where people can learn more about you, uh, where they can get the book, uh, your Facebook, your Twitter, your website, all that stuff. You want to tell them, or you want me to? Okay. Well, they can, you know, they can uh, get it. At, oh God, I should have brought it with me. Uh, you know, Ellen Gollum. Uh, they can look me up and and buy it from me. They can do that. Ellengollum dot com. Okay. They can do that. And, and then you've uh, got Twitter. You're yeah, on Twitter I got and Twitter. Facebook. I have a blog site. I'm always writing. I'm always writing blogs. So I'm on Facebook. Okay. Twitter. Well, again, all that for everybody, time. the name of the book is on the new book is Unloved Again: Breaking Your Serial Addiction. Dr. Elon Gollum, and uh, you're you're a really interesting person. You got a great book, and I learned a lot from it, and also from our discussion. And I'm so pleased and uh, appreciative that you came on the show, and then you helped me out, and you also helped a, a lot of our listeners out. So, uh, pleasure to meet a fellow in New York for once on the show. Okay. Anytime, anytime. Let's do it again. Great talking maybe, to you. I like it a lot. Well, maybe we can come up with some topics. I'll c- contact you separately, and we'll get you back on, great. and we'll cover some stuff and maybe take some calls. How about that? Sure. Great. Great. Awesome. All right. Okay. Well, listen. Okay. Thanks a lot. Be well, Bye. and have a great okay. 2017. You too. Bye. Cheers. Okay, folks. That was interesting. That's uh, Dr. Elon Gollum. Her book, once again, is Unloved. Again, Breaking Your Serial Addiction. That's our show for this evening. We're going to uh, be back next Wednesday our usual time, Wednesday at uh, 7 p.m. ET. And we're going to have, uh, we're starting in February with, I got a month of uh, relationship experts, four in a row for the month of February, because we got Valentine's Day there. So I'm looking forward to that. The first one is Natalie Estar. She's also into a energy worker and kind of a spiritual worker. So uh, that should be interesting. Um, so we're going to start out there. And then uh, we have three more kind of traditional relationship experts. And then, you know, it's all about on life, love and the pursuit of happiness. That's what the whole guys, guys brand and movement is about. And, you know, when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins better men, better world. And remember everybody guys, guys finish first.